Hello and welcome to season two of Until We Rise podcast. This is Rachel, and this is where we bridge a divided people to loving community, empowering resources, and a compassionate Christ. This season is Journey to Perfect 2.0. So let's get going. Hello and welcome to episode three of Until We Arise season two podcast, Journey to Perfect 2.0. And I have a very special treat for you guys. I am letting you in on a very intimate conversation with my mom. Yes, my mom is here. She is um, an amazing woman of God. I, She is the one who walked me through my prayer to accept Jesus into my heart when I was five years old. And she has set the, set the standard for what a woman of God should look like for me. Um, she is a woman of integrity, and I'm super honored to be her daughter. And so I thought it would be super appropriate to have my first guest on my podcast, on this podcast for Until We Arise, as we journey through the journey to perfect, um, be her. Um, I think that she is the heroine of the story of chapter two in many ways. Um, Of course, it is about the Lord, but a lot of times people can see the story of chapter two about this woman who gave her liver for her husband and stood by his side through thick and thin um, as like a story of this woman's greatness. But I love my mom has always been a person to bring it back to to God and his inspiration and his power and um, his love that motivates her. She many times says, I used to be murderous. I used to be um, a liar. And I'm like, mom, you're perfect. And she's like, no, you don't know what God has done for me. I love my mom in so many ways. And so I'm excited. She's going to tell us a little bit about what chapter two was like as she read the book and her experience in that time um, of the of the transplants with my father. So um, yeah, sit back and I hope you enjoy. All right, here we go. Well, hello. Hi. Welcome to the Until We Rise podcast. This is Rachel, and here we have Adeline. Hi, Adeline. I am so happy to have you. I don't think I'm going to be able to call you Adeline the whole time because everybody, this is my mom. (laughs) (laughs) So, mom. Um, thank you so much. Number one, thank you for just being a part of Until We Arise. It is such a blessing. Um, thank you for the blessing on my book and this chapter being giving me the freedom to share it. And um, it, chapter two of the Do You Want to Be Perfect book, um, Asking the Wrong Questions, really takes an inside look at some of our hardest moments that we face together. And so I, it, it was an interesting thing, not just sharing my own story, but sharing our story. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited for everybody to get to know you a little bit and to get to know a little bit of what motivates you and kind of what this experience was like, not just experiencing the book, but also experiencing the time um, in that season. So before we jump into that, mom, um, your name is Adeline Caban. How long have you been married to my dad? 40, 40, almost 41 years. Awesome. And how did you guys meet? (laughs) Well, we met in Lenox, um, California, Lenox, California. And I was on 
my way to, I had actually already seen him. And I told my aunt, that's the guy I'm going to marry. And I remember her saying, "Mm, that's not who you want to get involved with. But as time went on, I went to the grocery store and I went to go buy milk and he was on a bicycle and uh, he, he comes up to me and speaks to me in Spanish, asked me what my name was. And the rest is uh, the love story from there on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because um, I think as I was writing, some of this came out like, Oh my God, I'm documenting a huge part of my parents' love story. And Mm -hmm. I think I was like really taken back by that. Um, but mom, so you were born in Santa Clara, California. Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you were raised most of your life in um, Victorville. Yes. So how did? And so you came to Los Angeles <clears throat> where you me. met my dad. And um, how did you? Uh, like, what what was your adult life like? What did you do for a living? And tell us just a little bit about you. Well, I've worked since I was sixteen years old. I was raised up in Victorville, and um, since my grandma raised me, we we had there was at that time there was a gain program, and uh, I know our our money, all of my friends and stuff had like uh, actual their parents raising them, and I felt like I was kind of the oddball of a grandparent raising me because I just always remember people's faces looking at at us like that can't be your mother for like when they used to have parent conference and you know that kind of thing so um when i when i got um it was able to work i was able to go ahead and buy me the more more modern you know clothes the more modern because my grandma would only tell me just to give me a certain percentage of your income so that i could save it for you and then you can you know use the money to buy whatever you need like for your shoes or whatever I had everything I needed, but you know, when you're a kid or teenager, you want more things like, oh, you know, fun sweater or cute, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you um, move, so I'm just curious, as you moved to Los Angeles and you got your first job or your other, your LA, mm-hmm. LA job, what kind of work were you involved in and what mm-hmm. did you so, like? Yeah, go ahead. So that's where I was kind of going. The jobs were small and um, the jobs were small in Victorville. So that's what brought me to L.A. My aunt was working out here and my other aunt was also going to school out here. And so she told me she could get me a job at um, at a factory. And I was like, "Okay, I'll take it, you know. But when I got moved out here, I didn't get the job right away. So I worked in a um, clothing store and clothing store at the Hawthorne Plaza that's no longer there. But. Um, yeah, and um, and that's where I started working in a, in a clothing store. And from there, I did end up getting the job at the um, factory, International Rectifier. And then from there, um, yeah, from there, uh, during that time, I met your dad and we were dating and that kind of good stuff. And, and I think that um, one of the things that I think is like, not the entirety of your career, but since I'm your daughter, I'm going to jump in. Um, after that time, I know you've had some odd jobs doing, um, you know, front desk work and things like that. You also spent some time in college. But one of the biggest career moves, I think, um, was when you and dad became a women's home director. And um, that was a huge uh, part of your career and our journey as a family. And so that's kind of cool. Um, can you just tell us maybe a couple of thoughts about what that experience was like and how old you were? 
How that was an awesome experience. I think that was 1990. So I was probably, if I was born in 61, I was probably what, 30? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that was an awesome experience because what, what God had did in my life in 87 uh, was so impactful to me that I felt that the priorities in my life and my family's life were changed or they were changing because, again, um, my home was not a home. It was a house that we were living in, and I wanted it to be more of a home. And so when I look back, I, I, I say there's some things I would have done differently, but ultimately I think God in, in all of his glory and his mercy and his grace in my ignorance has still has blessed me, blessed me and my family tremendously for stepping out in faith and taking on that journey of the women's home. And I would say I would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for anything because the things that I learned and the the things I learned culturally, the things I learned um, educationally, the things that I learned in loving the unloving is, um, it, it, it's so powerful that I didn't even know that I get, think I think about like when God talks about, he gives us exceedingly what we can exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. And so we're like, Oh wow. And the things that he gave us in that journey, I don't think that any of us could have uh, imagined That's amazing. How, how good it would, how good it is and how good it has been and powerful it has been in, in changing my life and my family's life. That's so good. And I know it's definitely impacted my life as a teenager living in that. But I think um, that's just like interesting, like journey, you know, and then it comes to a point where you guys are no longer serving in the women's home. You're no longer doing that. You go back to work and then my dad gets really sick. Your daughter's off in college. Um, Your son is at home and all of this is happening. So I I know that anybody who has read, um, chapter two of uh, I'm gonna we're gonna go about this so if you have not read it uh, there may be some spoilers here so definitely read or listen to the other podcast first Um, but this will be um, we're gonna go and just kind of talk a little bit about what this time period was in 2004 is when it all kind of hit the fan if you want to say you know like dad was sick he was going through his first transplant and you actually were a donor And so I I do want to preface this with like not just telling the story, but for me, um, this concept of being perfect. So we're going to come back to that. And um, I just like I want people to kind of get a different perspective. And so the, the title of this chapter is called Asking the Wrong Questions. And for me, a big part of that was like realizing that God was showing me a greater understanding of perfection and a greater understanding of who he is. Is that everything okay? Yeah, it's just turning you down a little bit. For some reason, you went really loud. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, giving me another perspective of who he is, and um, and so I I didn't realize the kind of questions he was asking me, and he was showing me more. He was offering me more, much like he did the man, um, the the rich young ruler. He was offering him more, mm-hmm. and so maybe we can start off here, Mom. Like. When you first read this chapter, um, how? I mean, what was your first reaction, I guess? I think uh, when I read this chapter last year, 
in the original print. Um, I think it brought back a lot of pain, excitement, reminder of the miracle. Um, it brought back the, the love that was selfless and and sometimes um and um it, it, so it brought back a lot of emotions and then and then it started making me think yeah you walked selfless but what about your children were you thinking about how they must be feeling and i felt like i was uh helpless to be able to help um them process this as well and as a mother that's the first thing you want to do is protect your children from any pain and i think that's why i put this strong you know i got this kind of thing and even though i went to you guys and asked you you know what did you think about being a donor and and you guys were like you know well that's putting both of you guys at risk but but whatever you want to do we're behind you and um and I think, I think in the back of my head, I've always told you guys, like, if you're doing something that you truly love doing and you die for it, then that's your, and it, you know, and if it's a good thing, then you, your reward is in that. So I think that in the back of your head, I, I don't know for sure, but in the back of your, mm -hmm. yours and your brother's head was just that, that love, um, that, that love that, 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 uh, conquers all kinds of whatever craziness we've gone through um, would be our strength. And that was the only way that his, your dad was going to be able to live if we didn't have a donor um, that matched. And so, uh, yeah, I see, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it brought all kinds of crazy emotions back and, um, and some things that I just kind of like, thank God I forgot about. <laughs> yeah, I did. I definitely faced like I had to process like, the pain not just the pain but like the reality of that time which mm -hmm. was really hard for me because it felt a little bit pointless like okay we went through it why do I need to write about it mm -hmm. and as I continued to write this was the first story full story that I really wrote um, um and I had to figure out kind of the like how I was going to build up to this in chapter one mm -hmm. um this was like the first one I walked through because it was so hard and it just felt so pointless and like to share it. Cause it just felt like I was dragging all of us back through the pain, but God made it very clear as I was writing and as I was reflecting and piecing together what it really, what he was showing me um, that it was important that it happened, you know, and it was important to share um, because it was a reflection of him mm -hmm. um, and a, a reflection of his love. I, I think I remember something um, that you shared last time and it was about like not only the pain, but also the anger that it brought back up for you. Um, yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. I think that was more like at the end of um, like towards, yeah. After the 2004 um, transplant, when both of us, when the, when the, after about a month, you know, the excitement was good your dad went back to work. Um, I was healing good and we were thinking, okay, we're going back to work. Everything's going to be, you know, back to normal. Well, when the arteries 
the artery that wasn't connected correctly didn't process the way it should have. Um, and he began to get sick. All I could think of was like, no, not again, you know, and, and this is not how things were supposed to happen. You know, you gave us this house. We're supposed to be able to live here, you know, retire here. And, uh, just, and, and, you know, just, um, all kinds of things happen even in that year. Um, and, um, it just didn't feel like, I almost felt like God had to put, take his hand off of us because we, we stopped the journey of ministering to the women that he had called us to. And that's how I felt. And I felt, um, even when I was turning to some of the body of Christ that I was uh, fellowshipping with at that time, it felt like they could only see the vision of where the church was going. They couldn't see my, they couldn't see me. They couldn't see my pain. They couldn't see my, my struggle. I had one or two that would say, you know, I'm here for you. I'm going to pray for you. And they would show up even in the midst of when I didn't even cry out to them or ask them, you know, it were, where it made me feel so numb. It felt if I felt numb towards God, cause I was trying to figure out why he was allowing this after, you know, taking us through all that he took us through and then, or why he was, um, it, I didn't ever ask him why, because I always felt like, oh, that's the that's the, the that's the thing you don't do. He's God. He's the God of all creation. So you just accept it and content, be content, and just move forward, you know. And I'm so grateful to God that I've learned better now. But it's crazy that, though. Like right. I think it's interesting, and not to cut you off, because I definitely want to no. hear where you're going. But it's just interesting how I think after talking about this with my brother, I think he identified with some of the same questions that I had, but we both didn't really talk about it. So it was like, mm. after he read this, he was like, I was feeling those same things. And I think in my life, when I wrote, and as you guys can see, like, as we wrote, I definitely was like, why? I, I didn't understand why I, I couldn't wrap my brain around why mm -hmm. I was angry and I was frustrated it's because that's where I was with my walk with God. I, I, I wanted to know why. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the question that I was asking incorrectly and correctly as the title of the chapter. I was like, why? Like, why? Why don't you just fix him? Why isn't this? Why is this happening to us? All of that. And for me, it was like there was another offering that he was giving me as I was distracted with this why question, you know, yeah. and and um. And I think, it, it, I don't know, it's just interesting because you had been saved at that point a lot longer than I had, you know, and I was mm -hmm. trying to wrestle with and with who I was as a young adult and a, as, a, as a young Christian, even though I had been saved my whole life, but it was still like, as an adult, it's different, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so you didn't have it within you. You were saying just to ask why, mm -hmm. but thank God that you still carried through. So if you want to continue, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Um, th The thing is, is that like, who had the most clear head at the moment was the one who was very ill. And he said, huh. and he wow. said, and he said to me, he said, you know, don't worry. I'm not afraid of dying. I know where my heart will, I know where I'll be. He said, but this body has been abused and I abused it. It's not God's fault. You mm -hmm. know? And I used to think, but yeah, but, you're new, you know, you're a new creature, you know, and all that. And he's like, but the body still knows that it's been affected. It's been, it's been mis mishandled. And so he kind of brought some, you know, we'd have our little moments of just laying in the hospital bed together. And, um, and one thing he promised me that he wouldn't quit fighting. And so 
I was to hold on to that. Just don't quit fighting. Just keep, give God, give God a chance to heal you. And, and, um, we'd have our own little private conversations about things like that. And, um, and those are the kind of things that would hold me because I felt like he had his heart in the right place. And so I was like, okay, Lord, all I can say is like I say today, let your will be done because you obviously see more than I can see. And my thoughts are like, oh, my love of my life, my children, their dad, their, their, you know, at that time we only had one. I don't even think we had the granddaughter yet. But yeah, no, we had Amari by the second surgery. By the second surgery, but the first one, the first one, we didn't have her yet. So, and when we were still going through the rejection of all that. Um, And so um, my, my hope that was, I was thinking about it now later on, it's like, this was all about my, my, my. Mm. and my children, my, you know, my, 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 but, but I think I had the wrong, like you said, the wrong question, you know, and looking at it from God's point of view, um, I think sometimes like he wasn't surprised. Uh, I mean, he wasn't surprised. And the peace that Jose had on him was, was, was a crazy kind of peace. You know, he was my dad, everyone. <laughs> yeah. The, the piece, that, the piece that he had on him was a crazy kind of piece. Like he knew his past and he thought, well, I'm just, my physical body is only catching up with me, you know? And I think that because his heart was in the right place, I think like God turned everything around for us. And as, as you know, and as the story says, he's still here with me, you know, and, and uh, I'm so grateful, you know, and um, yeah. I mean, and I think the anger part comes in when we have to deal with the whole insurance thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And they leave the tube in his chest, you know, in his stomach. And we have to go back and forth. And I have to run upstairs because every time I called to make an appointment, they would they would usher me to the the insurance, uh, you know, the bill pay people built to, you know, accounting people. And I'm like, you guys left this tube hanging in his side and he could get infected. And so I ran up the, up the, up the, up the stairs at USC and would go up there and get, you know, I talked to the nurses and say, this is what's happening. And they would actually give me all the, the gauze and disinfectant things and all that stuff. And I'd bring it home and I'd take care of it myself until we could find out what the problem was. So, but, but, uh, it, it was a journey for sure. I Um, can't even imagine like the kind of battle and strength that you had and I think it's interesting because it's kind of like um, I noticed this about you and and that's why I was kind of surprised you said the love that was selfless Um, you said that earlier in our interview Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I was like wow like for me the love that was selfless felt like was yours and it felt like yeah, like you're like I, I don't, people can almost want to paint you out to be the the hero of this story, mm-hmm. and I and I want to too because you are my mom. You're strong. You're you're a God fearing woman. You held it together like for all of us. You're the one that did the running around of taking care of him, knowing everything that was happening, working full time as a dialysis tech. Um, like, you know, all of that, especially during the second surgery, like mm-hmm. first surgery, first of all, you were there. Second mm-hmm. surgery, you were there, you know, mm-hmm. like it was a lot. And I think mm-hmm. you can be painted as the hero. 
And one thing I know about you is you don't really bring it up ever. And you don't, you don't say, oh, well, make your own eggs. I gave you a liver like that. <laughs> I live with you now and I don't hear that, you know, um, and I love that about you. But it is interesting. So when you said um, a love that was selfless, like, what do you mean by that? And I and I know I, I still I don't take that away from you. God has put a special love on your life and a little a special gift to be able to do that. Not every wife would do that for their husband. That's just for real. So we can give honor where honors due, and I'm grateful to you. But I know there's more to that. So what was your thought by that? I or think how does it feel when people put you in that. I, I don't think. I, I mean, I don't. I don't talk to about it very much because I feel like when you give a gift away, you don't talk about how much you gave, and so. Um, and I felt like it was the God gift God gave me. And if it's technology has allowed us to share it, why do I have to talk about it? You know, and I mean, there are times when we go to the hospital and he'll, he'll tell them, you know, I, my first liver was from her, you know, and, and everybody's like, oh, my God, you're a husband and wife, you're a match, you know, and they'll talk things like that. And I feel a little bit embarrassed, like, oh, my God, you know. And then other times I'm like, no, it is. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And I need to hold on to that miracle. I need to remember that God is the one who placed everything in it, in it, in order, you know, and even though we took the steps, we didn't sit down and wait for it to happen, but we took the steps to say, hey, can I be a match? Can And it took him, it took uh, your dad at least a year to accept. I just, I think that wasn't clear in the book, but oh. it took, it took him about a year to say, Yes, because he kept saying no, because he said, kept saying, if something happens in the surgery, my kids won't have either one of us. And he said, I don't want that. And I don't want you to be your, your body scarred up forever, you know, or, you know, things like that. And I was like, those are things that are not, I'm not worried about, uh, especially, you know, physical, like how your body looks. I, I wasn't concerned with that. I was more concerned with, are you going to live? And if there's a way we can make, keep you alive, then let's do that, you know? But um he was more concerned that if something happened to both of us then or both of us and that we he you 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 kids would be without father or mother or if he lived and i died in the process then he would have to think of that every single day of his life mm-hmm. and he's and so we were struggling back and forth with that conversation and and i didn't want to force him but i wanted him to know that i was able to help him if i could and in the end of it all, I feel like even if, even up to today, to today, my, my heart is like, God, I want to see souls saved. And if I could help somebody to get to that place, then that's where I want to live my life in building God's kingdom. And I think that, and, I, and it's kind of crazy because it sounds like, oh, you know, that was nice of you. But no, it's all about what God did for me already in 1987. Mm-hmm. When he saved me. Mm-hmm. And he set me apart. Set me apart not just to not just to have everything or to build on this worldly kingdom that means nothing really. But to build on his kingdom to see souls saved, life's changed. And so I think that all my reactions and actions stem to say, I want, to, I want you to know that God sees you and that he loves you. And mm-hmm. if, I've, if I've done something 
to make you see less of God. I'm sorry, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what I don't want. I don't want that. So, so that's the, that's the, that's been since 1987. That's been my life. I feel like that's been my life. And even though it's been a process. That's amazing, mom. Um, it's pretty tremendous for me is that like I get to do ministry with you. I get to know you as an adult. Uh, for me as an adult, because I know you always say jokingly. We grew, we grew up, up together. together. But we did not grow up together. You were a full-grown woman when I was born. I felt um, like a kid. <laughs> um, but mom, uh, one of the other things that really, um, like I know, like I I parallel this, and of course I would I wish we could just open it up and ask have people ask questions. You know, maybe at the next brunch we can um, create a space for that. But um, I think this will suffice for now because sometimes it's hard to go all this deep with everybody, and everybody has opinions and everything. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But one of the things for me was that moment when I I mean I remember writing a poem. I think I lost it. Um, but it was like leaving you and dad at the hospital. And I used to practically live at the hospital with dad, like your toothbrush was right next to his through every phase of his hospital stay. And, um, and I was okay. Like I was so busy in my life doing so many other things and trying to keep it together so we can all hold it together, you know, from moving dad's car. Uh, I just remember one of the hardest things, <laughs> I'm such a nerd, was moving dad's car, his big truck that the battery was dead. We had to recharge it mm-hmm. to move it from one side mm-hmm. of the street to the other because of parking. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> that was pain in the neck. The trash can. Um, mm-hmm. but I remember those little things. So all of us had our little role trying to keep the house and keep our family together. And um, my brother was in the Navy and like, you know, I was finishing up college. I was starting teaching. It was just all of this that was all happening in these times. Um, but it, I think that night that I came home and I think that this, this, that moment, the reason this story is even being told is not because of the pain and to just take people through the hardship right Mm -hmm. Mm because that is important because we all face hardship but Mm -hmm. a big part of that was that moment that God showed me like I I remember reading this scripture of Matthew 19 and studying about perfection and like realizing when God was show when Jesus was telling this rich young ruler like Mm -hmm. Like, not just, like, all the things he could do. Like, go, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. Then come follow me. Like, it's a part of that same verse. When I mm-hmm. realized the come follow me was a, an important part, like, it was getting rid of those things. But the key was coming to follow him. He was inviting him in many ways to walk with him and the disciples through the rest of that journey. And, Mm -hmm. um, and when I, when I realized that I said, God, I felt like I had a moment like that. Like, and I started to pray and reflect like, God, when did this become real in my life? And I realized Mm -hmm. it was gradual, right? Like for Mm -hmm. for you, Mm -hmm. it was 1987, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, I was raised in the things of God. So there were different phases that kind of like, it wasn't one aha moment. It was many many moments that built up to this strength and this confidence in him, this, this perfection, right? This, this saying, Hey, like I'm complete in him. And I 
want to be mature in him and I want my confidence in him and he is with me. Like all of that started to come together. And one of that, those moments was this point in um, chapter two when I am crying out to God at my lowest point um, on my living room floor saying, God, like, I don't know what else to do here, right? Like, why? And giving dad, giving him my dad's resume and saying, why? I don't want him to die and crying out for him to live. Mm-hmm. And him not giving me the answer I wanted. Like, I wanted, I just wanted like a prophetic word to jump out and say, don't worry, my daughter, he shall live. And you will, mm. you know, all the things, mm-hmm, like, even in mm-hmm. chapter four, when I, he will walk you down the aisle. And like, mm-hmm. in all these things that I wanted, you know, I wanted this like very clear answer. And he was like, I'm on the throne no matter what. And I was like, what? Like, that is not helping me. In the flesh, it wasn't helping me. Right. But I had that moment. And I don't know, in this experience, I know yours happened in 1987. But like, in this experience, when you go back just to like maybe these years of 2004, 2008, or if not that in this time, if there's another time, did you have a moment like that? Did you have a moment that was like stop you in the tracks and realize that God was giving you more than was offering you more than you were asking? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I knew I had like a piece. I knew there was a piece that was like, 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 um, like I had been preparing you like kind of like that kind of thing, but I didn't know. I, I I tell you that I felt numb. Mm-hmm. I felt like, yeah, did I do something yeah. wrong? Mm-hmm. Can you even hear me, God? Because it, did we make a mistake? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, because a lot of times you're taught, like, if you don't do this, then the curse is on you. And mm-hmm. if you don't do that, then the curse is on you. And if you don't, and you're like, dang, you know, so when you don't know no better, sometimes even though you take little pits, little pieces of the scripture you're like oh my god I am in a curse you know and so so you do you you have to uh, I feel like for me I had to get to know God again for who he says I who says I am and who who ultimately he is and how constant he is and so Mm -hmm. it it was like and and I had that one friend that was always reminding me that he loved me and that he cared about us and Mm -hmm. and the way and the way he showed up through her the way he showed up through her was amazing was Who like was that? that was sister gloria yeah i figured we'd give her a little honor sister gloria leva leva she she would call me at the weirdest times when i'd be at the hospital i would I'd be like oh she was like where are you i'm like at the hospital i'll be there and she would come and she would in her way in her on her way i know she was interceding because when she came she came with such a peace and such power and such an anointing on her that gave us that feeling of a of god has got this and you're not alone. And I think that was the, that's when the Lord really showed up. And, and then of course, like I shared with you the other day about when we were driving to the hospital, that no matter what, and I remember hearing that song, you know, I still believe, you know, and we were driving for me or no, huh? Can you sing it for me? <laughs> oh, I don't remember the words right now. Um, yeah, I can't remember the words right now, but I was, I was going to actually have it on my iPad so I could play it play it during uh, just a, a, a snippet of it maybe um, i can find it now I'll, I'll, let I'll me see I'll, I'll see what i can do but no it's okay mom um but um and i remember driving down the street that day and 
and and and we talked about that. We, I, I just remembered exactly where we were, and we were turning into USC because before before uh, he had the second transplant, he was actually in USC, and USC uh, didn't have and they couldn't do anything else for him. But his doctor, that was an amazing doctor, that came and said, "Somebody owes me a favor at UCLA, and I'm going to send you there by uh, either helicopter or by um, by ambulance." And he called, and that's how your dad got into UCLA because our insurance or anything didn't cover that area, and mm-hmm. um, and that's what I feel like it was the grace of God. Even when things don't look like they're going our way, he'll move the mountains to save to do what he said he would do, you know. And so that's how come I think about it, and I was like, wow, Lord, I wasn't even asking for it, but you automatically mm-hmm. saw it, and the other people that you sent my way were saw we saw me, you know. And they you love know. that. It's like the evidence of how when we submit to God, sometimes we are looking for words. We're looking for prophetic words. We're looking for we 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 have our eyes open for something or we we expect ourselves like when we're walking in miracle tor- territory, it's going to feel like miracle territory. Mm-hmm. And quite often it doesn't. And mer- very often it can be through like and that's why I love like a lot of what we do with until we rise, but also other things that I, other ministries and what they do out there. It can come through a friend just showing up. It can come through sometimes miracles come through a, a warm cooked meal, you know, and it mm-hmm. seems silly. It seems small. But those are the beautiful things that God uses to show his existence to us, you know. And yeah, like I I, I imagine that your strength if you were strong in the lord and you know all this stuff you would imagine you were like yeah she was speaking prophetic words speaking life over my dad and all that and i'm sure some of that did happen because i remember you praying over my dad and i remember those things but but it wasn't it was mostly tears and it was mostly quiet it was mostly um trying find times to laugh together and hold on to the little moments that we had it wasn't so biblical and prophetic and and you know what I mean it, but it mm-hmm, was through mm-hmm. those visits and even when you're not strong like the the body of Christ that is listening they stand up and they hold our arms and I remember her too being there for me um the, one of the only people if I can remember who called me to pray with me I think mm-hmm. I just everybody thought I was handling it because my heart has been created to worship I felt like songs would help me get through me help songs that were written um and that during that time was so helpful to me to be able to help from one day to the next um and i really believe the lord gave me the strength to get up every morning to get to the hospital to do my job to take care of you know and and also to kind of like say hey how's my kids you know and and um yeah and then try to be patient with others because at the moment when you're going through things like that and people start asking you questions you know like even my mother-in-law she was so scared so worried and I was trying my best to be patient you know and it's hard because bilingual and all that stuff and it was a difficult time but um it's only the grace of God that allowed us to to go through that and and um yeah all I can say is it's he carried me through that he mm-hmm. carried me through that, but he used people. And I want to make sure that I, that that's clear. Cause he used people. He didn't just come down from heaven and say, here, I'm carrying you with my own hands. No, he used people. And I've been sharing that a lot lately that sometimes we belittle ourselves as human beings. And when he's like, I created you and you guys been created beautifully, just so you know, from my point of view. And, and I can't reach that person without you. 
What yes. I wanted to share, though, a little about what I, I was blessed to hear in your book. And I just wanted to say, because it seems odd, like, okay, um, you know, this is, this is your daughter's book. Um, so that's why you believe in it and this and that and the other, whatever. Sometimes people have their own opinions. But as I was reading it, it's not only our story, but it's the story of the Lord. And, and I, I underlined in John 3.16, um, when, when you wrote about however the love, um, the love wanted, uh, however, the Lord wanted to offer him so much more. He wanted to offer him a level of freedom. And I think that when we find that freedom, um, even in our pain, because circumstances are going to come our way, right? Things are going to happen, but we need to have that level of understanding that in the end of it all, God has got us. You know, he, he's going to help us through this. He's not forgotten us. He's not angry with us. He's not, you know, and I just, I, before we close, I just wanted to, uh, to say that that really blessed me because I really do feel like in, 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 you know, of course it took a lot of years to, to, um, get back. And when I got back into the, in, in brunch, I started hearing how God did care about us women. And, and it really began to change my life. And it started some of the things I had to actually face. I had to actually mm -hmm. face that were still painful to me and I needed to face them. And, and because they were being given me a safe place to face them at, I felt like I was healed. And so, mm -hmm. so I just wanted to say that. And then I also wanted to mention that I, um, in page 37, I underline, let it be settled in God's love. Let the settled, let it be settled in his sovereignty. The, the passionate heart of our Lord is always about togetherness, community with him, co connection with him. Uh, life, love, and freedom with him, communion. And and I felt like even in our pain, he doesn't mind hearing our voice. He's not mad at us. And just, I mean, I, it, it seems like crazy because since 1987, I've been knowing the Lord, but it seems like that when these trials come that you don't see, you know, 30 years later down the road that are going to come your way because you're so excited about the hype and reaching souls and, but then you have to stop and say, hey, did you deal with that? Because if you don't deal with it, it's going to come back up and bite you. And so dealing with it is really what God wants us to do is deal with it, recognize it, and then commun communicate it to him so that he can help heal it. Because we can't forget that we're in a war against the devil that wants to keep us, the church, um, hindered from knowing our fullness in Christ. So I just wanted to share that. That's and so that's, a, that's what I got when I was reading your book. And I was like, wow, Lord, you're so good. Yeah. So I, I'm so blessed by that. Um, I, I just would like to reiterate like that part of thank you, mom. It's just such an honor because like people love you because I think people buy the book or they support me because they're like, oh, I want to support my friend. Um, and I can't, can't, I haven't been able to calculate how many I've actually sold, <laughs> but uh, I think it's somewhere near like 60 or 70 copies. Maybe more. I don't God, know, yeah. but that's cool. Um, but the point is though, like I, I really want people to grab a hold of this idea. And, and the more I hear about it, like in like you're a Christian, you're like, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah. It's not a big deal, but I don't know. I, I think for me, it's such a big deal. Like on page 38 at the top, it depends on what version you got, but the latest version. 
Mm-hmm. And page mm-hmm. 38 says, the problem with the idea of being perfect is that we have been asking the wrong questions. Mm-hmm. We have been reading wrong. We have been missing the communion. Mm-hmm. Not about the guilt and shame of imperfection. It's mm-hmm. about the connection back to him. Amen. And I love what your story does, mom. Like, yes, it, it is. It is like a beautiful love story. And I think that was kind of brought together in this chapter of you and dad. But more than anything, it was a beautiful love story of you and dad. Um, both of your love for us and ultimately God's love for our family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God has had his hand on my dad through all of his things that he's been through, you know, and all the regret he still had, he saw fit to mm-hmm. keep him here for us and with us that we might see the love of God through his life mm-hmm. and um, through this story and through um, this book and all of it, I just think God's love for mankind is what is overwhelming for me. Like I was talking and I don't mean to go on and on because I do want to not keep this too lengthy, but um, I was talking to my students because I teach Bible at Los Angeles Christian School. And um, I was talking to my sixth graders because they were asking why Good Friday is called Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And um and then I was thinking of Hebrews and when, when they talk about the Bible talks about how Jesus endured the shame of the cross or he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, he endured the cross for the joy set before him and he conquered or he conquered, I want to say shamed, uh, he conquered shame and, um, mm-hmm. And, and I'm misquoting, but it was this joy. And I was telling them the story, taking them back to how Jesus walked in the garden with mankind mm-hmm. and how Jesus promised that he would come back to reclaim that communion. It's not using that word, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The relationship. It's the relate. It's the relationship, but not just some abstract relationship. Mm-mm. It is the relationship that's with me every day. Like I miss you, kind of relationship. And mm. I remember, like I remember telling, and maybe I talked about this in chapter four, and we'll talk about it a bit. But like when I remember, I was like dating some random person, or just meet, right? And they're like they would text me, and they're like, and I would text them once back, mom. It's awkward, right? But then they, they would be like, I miss you. I'm like, fool, you don't miss me. You don't know me like right right. (laughs) but but when I think about that relationship with God like oh he's known me and he loves me and he loves to be with me and he wants to guide me and it's just like this awareness of his desire to be with us and he and the the extreme lengths that he goes through right Mm -hmm. like through people through through um meeting us at whatever place we're willing to hear him Mm-hmm. is a beautiful part of God's love story. And this idea of, do you want to be perfect? Do you want to be with me? Mm-hmm. And and I, I think Paul talks about it being like, I'd rather be in heaven. That's ultimate perfection, right? Being yeah. with him in all the senses of it. Right. But this doesn't take away from the perfection he's offering here through the Holy Spirit. Right. He's saying, I am, I'm here with you. Yeah. Um. And so, Mom, I just am so grateful. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you would like to share or that um, 
I don't know. You want to encourage anybody with? You got the floor. I just, I just wanted to say that in the book, the only thing that I added was exclamation marks. Like, <laughs> he will never leave me nor forsake me. I don't take that like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's a no. But he, I put an exclamation behind it because it's like, it's true. It's true. And maybe it took me all these years to find it. But I felt like even when that day when he pulled me over on the side of the road on El Camino, by in front of El Camino College and filled me with his Holy Spirit, I was like, oh, oh you're, you are closer, you know, closer than mm. I expected you to be. You know, I, ex- mm. I you know, it, it, it's just like, oh, you're, you're with me. You hear me. Even in I my like ignorance, that, Mom. you know, I'm going like, to need to quote that. I'm going to need to quote that. Oh, you're closer than I expected. When you yeah. have an encounter with God, that's what it feels like, right? Yes, yes. And so then I also uh, put God loves me so overwhelmingly. And when I think about that, I'm thinking, my God, I have to just say for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that in if I shared with you my testimony before, that from birth, he saw me, even when I was being made in chaos. You know, he saw me. And then he, and, and then he sent labors my way to kind of, carry me through this life you know and 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 i and i could stay here all day so i don't want to do that but but this is the reason why i put he loves me with an overwhelming when you when you wrote that i put an exclamation mark behind it and he and he will uh not let me down i put an exclamation behind that too because i have to live on that Mm. and declare that on daily he will not fail me or shame me because every time i have to get on a podcast or or (laughs) or instagram or or even even on Saturday, doing doing our our uh, food giveaway to the to those that are in food insecure, you know, it, it's like, will anybody show up? Are you gonna look like a fool doing it? I'm like, no, this is what God called me to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So if I just reach one person, I'm gonna give it with my whole heart, you know. And mm-hmm. then I underlined also, um, I underlined also that. Um, uh, God wants us to be perfect in how we treat others and act so so extension of our father by completing in him complete in him it okay this is the part I underline it's not about actions of perfection or images of perfection it's about the preferred it's a perfected confidence in who God is you know it's like it's like uh, to me that was like it doesn't matter who I am. It's about who he is, you know, and, yes. and getting it straight in your head that God is who he is. And we can't do anything to change that. Hmm. The only thing that we can do is change how people see him through us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, I think that's why. And then at the end of it, I wrote a big heart and an exclamation part. And it says, it's you. It has changed. It, it, it has always been you, you know? And so and then and that goes back to my testimony. God, it's you that, that allowed me to be created in chaos. It allowed me to, it was you even when my mom didn't want me. Hmm. It was you that gave me my grandma that loved me. Yeah. It was you that gave me a husband that said, I love you with all your faults and all your imperfections and your crazy hair and your big body and your big twatusi feet. You know, it was you, God, that sent him my way. It was you that gave me my beautiful children that loved me unconditionally, even with all my failures. So in the end of it all, I know that it's God. So I don't know. I just hope that you find that same peace and whoever's listening to this podcast, 
you know, maybe to, I don't know, whenever it's going to be posted, I hope that you'll be blessed and know that in, in the end of it all, God is with you and that he loves you and that he cares about you. And, and it's, and so all he wanted to do is take us back home to him. It had to have a communication with him. That was his whole purpose of going to the cross. Yeah. So I hope that you'll be encouraged this Easter, that it'll be a new Easter for you to celebrate why he did what he did on the cross. Yeah. So I think uh, I'm going to have to release this on Good Friday. I feel like we need to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to release chapters one and two, our revised version, and this one on Good Friday, because I know God has, um, he's saying something with this Easter. And uh, mom, I just want to say thank you so much. I don't even know how to end this. It's just so tremendous. I'm so blessed to be your daughter. I'm blessed um, to come from such a beautiful lineage. And it's funny how I I love Christine Kane. She she can um, she's talked about how when with her and her husband, there's a bloodline drawn for her and her children because they don't come from good stock mm-hmm. yeah come on um, <laughs> when i think about like what the leg how the legacy is changing with our generation like with yeah. your generation with you and dad setting it's setting a standard stepping up mm-hmm. and, and and submitting to god and saying hey yes i want it i want it real yeah. i love it i love it i love it and i i'm just so honored to be a part of this family to be part of the legacy and to be the leader mm-hmm. of until we arise and to be able to do what i do every day and um just thank you mom thank you for being amazing and i hope that people all too are blessed with this and um and uh i i feel like the final words that you said were just kind of a prayer over our people and so maybe i will i think i will say a prayer a quick prayer um and uh yeah i think i'm gonna pray So, God, I just thank you for your beautiful love story, for God being who you are. I thank you for the legacy in my family, and I thank you for this this platform to be able to share. So I reach out, Lord God, to anyone out there who may be feeling they were born in chaos. Maybe they were feeling like they have faced circumstances that seem insurmountable. That God, your closeness would be felt yes, this Lord. day. Lord God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I, I think I'm going to have to title this podcast, Mom. Uh, oh, wow, you're closer than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good. I love that. Well, and I just want to say thank oh, you for, I just want to say thank you for having me and um, hearing my story and um, also allowing me to be a part of Until We Rise since I am the oldest one in the bunch. And, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I thank you for, um, thank you, Embero, for um, just, you know, holding me close, holding me close and teaching me and um, not judging me, but always um, uplifting me. And I thank God for that. And I thank God for all the beautiful women that, that the Lord has used in our ministry. And I'm so grateful. So, I thank you for the privilege and thank you for believing in me. All right, mom. Well, it's been an honor. Love you and have a beautiful day. And you too. Thank you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Well, that was my interview with my mom. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope more than that, that you're able to see the heart of God through 
chapter two and the heart of God through this story. My mom is a tremendous woman and I am, again, completely honored to be her daughter. So aside from that, this is a, a part of our journey to perfect 2.0, our, our spring um, endeavor that is partnered with Beauty Brunch. And so Beauty Brunch is a monthly event that we have. It used to be in person and now it is online where we gather as women and we are empowered as women and we learn about what the word says about us as women. And this journey, this season has been focused on the idea of being perfect as commanded in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 for us to be perfect as God is perfect. Um, I love it. It's an idea of being complete in God, and so it, it is more than just um, it is more than just checking off boxes or accepting life the way it is. It is about acknowledging the greatness of God and the communion and connection with God that we have, and that real definition has transformed my life. And so, as we look at Um, Not only the stories outlined in the book and and the Bible stories that we learn about, but even the stories of the different women who who are encountering what this idea of perfection is. I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you are enlightened. And I would love for you to join us. We have a number of events that are going on throughout this season, all the way through June. We have a live and active Instagram page. So visit us at Until We Arise. We also have, um, if you go to our website, you can click on events and find out all of the different things that are going on, including our food outreach programs that are happening on Saturdays. Additionally, we have a um, our, our perfect health outings. So we have just really working on that complete wholeness and health in our body, our mind and our spirit. So we have outings that you can join us in if you're in the Los Angeles area. Additionally, we have um, junior brunch for kids, girls ages um, 11 through 16. And we have um, Spanish brunch, that's the brunch de belleza. And that is happening twice a month also online. And unless you are in the Guaymas, Sonora, Guaymas, San Carlos area, then you can then join there in person as well. So we have an amazing full plan for ministry. We are really about empowering people. And I just want to remind you. That until we arise is not just another catchy saying. Until we arise comes from Judges 5 verse 7, and the scripture reads, Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. Until Deborah arose, guys, the villagers would not fight, and village life had ceased in some versions, they say. And so, when we say until we arise, the question is what will ha- what won't happen? What won't change in our lives, our families, our communities, in this world until we arise? 